Hello and welcome to Cycling Talk with me, Georgia Mahoney. Today we have Ian Field. Hi Ian. Hi, thanks very much for having me. Thank you for coming on. So how did you first get into cycling then, Ian? Um, I got into cycling just uh, with my brother, basically. We'd go out on long bike rides at weekends and forever mucking around on our bikes um, after school, like building jumps and stuff and going to the local woods. And it literally just went from there, like having fun on our bikes. And yeah, the next progression was was always looking to to go to a race and we went to watch a mountain bike race one summer and so our parents said we could have a go the following summer um and then funnily enough that winter I joined um a new secondary school and a friend there um was already into cyclocross and he set up a a school team to do the British Schools Association race which I don't think they have anymore maybe they do in a different format now with the school games but um it went from there so we we raced around the school fields one afternoon and then uh yeah we went off to compete in the british schools uh national championships and yeah literally just went from there so just just mucking about on my bike in the back garden basically <laughs> we don't i don't think they have any cyclocross um school championships anymore i think they have road and mountain bike but they don't have any cyclocross Oh, really? Okay. I knew they still did the school games, road and mountain biking, because I'd yeah. seen, seen that. But that's, re- that's a shame that they don't do the, the cross anymore. What was your first race that you did and what was it like? Um, so it was that British schools uh, race at Southampton where they still have, uh, well, up until recently, the national trophy and national champs were held there at the sports centre but we were across on the other hillside um, and we just turned up and I was on a bike that yeah was a mountain bike at the time just with uh, flat handlebars and just very normal standard mountain bike and I think I had like tracksuit bottoms on and a baggy t-shirt and uh, didn't really know what to expect because I'd just done the race around the field at the school and then was thrown into this kind of national level event and uh yeah it was a bit of a strange one and when you're 12 there's such a big difference in kind of size of people in the race like I remember the the kid that won looked like about 15 it was like ridiculous um but it was all good fun and I ended up I think I came like third or something and our school actually won in the end so um it was it was a nice introduction to the sport yeah I obviously I'm I'm twelve and I am very short and all the other people in my race are so much taller than me. And yeah. um, it, it is so strange having everybody sort of towering over you and looking up at everybody on the start line. I guess you gradually grow to get used to that. Yeah, it just evens itself out over the years and even at kind of junior level where you think most people have kind of done the majority of their growing it still evens out later than that which um I always find frustrating when people kind of give up um at junior level or just coming out of junior level because they don't know if they've stopped developing or not at that point so uh, yeah it all evens itself out in the end mm. so what do you think your first bike was that you remember being like really excited about when you got it um <clears throat> so that would have been so I'd raced, so one cyclocross season, 
just doing the British Schools event. And then the following year, I would have entered like a under 12 uh, mountain bike series. And I went along to that um, and I won the, the first round. And then I think I was still on the mountain bike, which had like originally of the frame had come out like of a skip or something. And my dad had like built it up and painted it with like hammerite paint. Um, and so they decided that I, like, because I was actually showing an interest and, and doing okay, that I deserved um, a bit of an upgrade. And so um, for my birthday, I got a specialized um rock hopper fs um in fact my sister-in-law has still got it as her (laughs) as her bike um i think i don't think it's really got an original piece left on it apart from the frame but i remember it was like a sparkling blue color and it had white rock shock forks Mm -hmm. and uh yeah i was like over the moon with it even though i distinctly remember i got it on my birthday and i was ill and like my parents basically forced me to go outside to have a look at it. I didn't know what they were trying to show me. And I just like kept refusing to go out of the house because I felt so ill. But yeah, it was, it was literally my dream bike as like a 13 year old or whatever I was then. And uh, it's nice to still have it in the family. Yeah. That's, that's really cool how you still have the bike there. So you can remember what it was like when you were racing back then. Yeah, definitely. I'd love to have more, um, more of my bikes from my career. So I might try and try and track some down because I know I had some uh, specially painted by Ridley in, in like the last few years when I was riding with Hargroves. It'd be nice to track some of those down and yeah, have, have them as my memories. So um, did you do much cycling training when you first started racing or was it just sort of messing about in the park and stuff like that? I think this has probably been the biggest change in cycling that I've seen uh, through my career is even, even up to like under 23 level, I was, yeah, on the academy for mountain biking and and training was just going for a ride nine times out of 10. Um, Like the hours were set, but kind of intensity wasn't really set. And yeah, it was quite, really unstructured compared to how like training is now and so as a kid it was it was literally just riding when and where I wanted to um and I'd have said that was that was the case all the way up to kind of junior level where I took it kind of a bit more seriously with the training um I definitely had a bit more of a plan but it was it was definitely nothing set in stone it was it's nothing like what kind of junior riders are doing now um and ultimately probably why the age of like people competing at the highest level is just getting lower and lower because people are training like methodically from such a young age now that they're just getting better and better faster and faster yeah i think some people do do a lot of training yeah i think sometimes just going out for a ride is good training just getting on the bike is such an important thing yeah i think the the best kind of training is just going for a ride off road and then if you feel good you'll sprint up a hill and if you feel like it you'll sprint out of corners and and you'll practice skids and wheelies and learning how to handle a bike all while having fun um rather than sitting on a turbo or doing a set plan of intervals at such a young age i think just ride your bike off road and and the intensity will take care of itself because it's hard riding off road but more enjoyable 
So what sort of training are you doing at the moment? Obviously, I know we're in lockdown, so it's hard to do the training that you were doing before. But what sort of things are you doing? Um, so it has been a bit strange because it's like we haven't had any racing in this in the summer to kind of concentrate on. And so um, in all honesty, I've just been kind of like bumbling along a little bit, like hoping there was going to be some racing. So I haven't been training flat out for one reason or another um but definitely now that it looks like there will be um i'm beginning to kind of up the training a little bit and just recently been trying to up the hours i'm doing because during lockdown i only really rode the turbo so i was doing a lot of intense work uh, just because it's boring riding slowly on the on the turbo so um i joined up to zwift and started doing some races on zwift just to pass the time kind of thing and uh I just did a race earlier on there just uh just as something to do and yeah a bit a little bit of a kind of competitive edge that that everyone's been missing really um but fundamentally I've just now that we're able to meet up with small groups I've just been riding with my friends and just generally trying to get fit and kind of do do some intervals along the way um when I haven't got as much time during the day so yeah we're gradually building up slowly and yeah we'll begin to ramp things up soon i've heard that you've done some mountain biking and road racing so why did you choose cyclocross as your main discipline um so yeah i raced kind of all disciplines as a youth and a junior and um i won the junior mountain bike series um back then and I was second in the road series in the in the same year um behind Garrett Thomas um so that's quite cool and yeah we had a really strong year on the road so I think the year I was second there was like Garrett Thomas won it Dan Martin was third Ian Stannard was up there and Ben Swift was the same uh year group as all of us so it was a really strong year um but at the time there to compete on the British Cycling Academy, you had to do a lot of track. And I didn't really do any track just because we didn't have a track near us uh, when I was growing up. And so my other option was to go on to the Mountain Bike Academy um, or basically go off to Europe and try and make it with a small French club or an Italian team or something like that. And so I chose the the British Cycling Mountain Bike Academy. And so I went down that route and, and pursued pursued that which ultimately was meant to meant to culminate in going to the olympics in 2012 but um i left the academy kind of 20 no 2009 and then that was when i had the choice basically of of where to take my career um and i'd always done cross on the academy and ultimately it was what i enjoyed the most um and so yeah when that came to an end and i had to make a choice then ultimately i just went in the direction that i enjoyed the most mm-hmm. um, and yeah i just just thought that i'd put more effort in and and I, I would do better at something that i ultimately enjoyed more than the other disciplines that you're definitely a very strong rider in the cyclocross i mean five times national champion yeah i think looking back i made the right decision but um sometimes you look you, you think maybe i should have gone onto the road at that time but yeah, I definitely wouldn't have got five national titles. So, uh, yeah, that's something uh, to be proud of. So what was it like for you when you did a bit of racing internationally? Um, so that would have been 
as a first year junior for cross um i got taken to a world cup and the world championships in that would have been 2004 i guess in monopoly in italy and it was just a complete eye-opener um racing in the uk was a lot smaller back then like we didn't have really top international riders um really in any discipline like I try and explain to people that have only got into cycling recently that we used to have basically one or two road pros um, kind of in the world. And now we're like, yeah, God knows, 20, 30 road pros uh, all the time. And if we had one UK rider riding the Tour de France, it was a big deal. Um, whereas now it's completely changed, hasn't it? So, yeah, it was literally being thrown in at the deep end and starting fourth, fifth row on on world cup kind of um circuits that were above and beyond anything we raced in the uk back then but it was it was good and it kind of gave me the bug to to want to do more and it kind of showed me the level that like the rest of the world were at um so it was it was hard but it was it, it was good what do you think inspired you to start Vel's coaching um, so I've been coaching for eight years with Dig Deep Coaching um, and I just wanted to ultimately go down my own path of a bit more um, specific cyclocross kind of coaching company. Um, I coach a number of road riders and mountain bikers as well but um, yeah I just wanted to do my own thing and kind of try and put something next to my name that I can be proud of um away from actually racing my bike and and ultimately do something for for when i stop racing totally um yeah. and uh kind of in the future try and try and give back something to the sport that gave me so much so where where do you think your favorite course or your favorite race that you've ridden what do you think that would be um my favorite course was the old Koppenberg course so we used to literally just go straight up and then straight back down again um which I really enjoyed and probably coming from a mountain bike background my climbing was was quite good compared to other cross riders so I really enjoyed that one but I think my favorite race has to be the Milton Keynes World Cup just because it was the only World Cup we've ever had in the UK and had since and it was the first time in my career that everyone was shouting for me as opposed to shouting for all the Belgians. So it was a surreal experience and yeah, one that I'll never forget. And yeah, definitely has to be my favorite race. We spoke about world coaching. So where do you want to see that in sort of five years time? Um, I think ultimately I just want to, yes, see it keep growing and get more and more people on board with the coaching and expand things so hopefully in the future we'll be able to bring on um, some more coaches uh, so we can take on more clients and go a bit more um, kind of national international with it we've already got a few people from abroad being coached so we've got a guy in germany um, someone from andorra um, so we've got some some international people on board and then ultimately I want to expand the kind of one-to-one -one skills coaching that I do so doing group coaching for clubs and teams and and like cyclocross leagues and ultimately take that around the country and and try and like get to as many 
clubs that I can and yeah try and try and teach as many people how to do cyclocross skills as possible because yeah I was lucky enough as a kid to go to a really really good coaching group in Sutton in London um, every Tuesday evening during the cross season and was taught kind of all the fundamental skills by one of the one of the best coaches in the country back then Um, and I think it's something that yeah is really really important to to get right from a young age and and practice the correct skills um throughout your career because yeah i do a fair bit of coaching with kind of older clients so like veteran riders and they've maybe come to the sport a lot later than a lot of people and trying to teach them the fundamental skills is a lot harder um Mm -hmm. and ultimately they would be better if they'd started at a younger age and yeah if i can if i can get to like the the kids clubs and stuff and and put those wheels in motion and yeah hopefully yeah the level will go up from from me coaching so that's the ultimate goal if you were under 14 again do you think there would have been anything that you would have done differently like training wise or kit wise oh i don't know i think um it's difficult with with equipment because um it's all very expensive isn't it um what i would take is knowing what i know now is there was an awful lot um and advantages from having better equipment so i didn't ride tubulars until i was under 23 and i'd like you look at the under 16s and even the under 14s now and there's so many kids riding tubulars already um and i didn't have those until under 23 and I didn't really know kind of the difference they made um, and knowing what I know now, then I would have taken a lot of heart from how well I was doing on the equipment I had compared to maybe other riders at the time. And ultimately I'd have told 40, under 14 year old me that it, it's, it, there's more to it than the equipment and the training you're doing as a 14 year old. The The time that really matters is a little bit later on. And so, yeah, under 14 me should have carried on having fun and just enjoying himself and uh, ultimately a happy bike rider goes faster so uh, I wouldn't have changed too much um, maybe maybe been a bit more specific with my training at times so maybe just in the lead up to the national championships or something I'd have maybe concentrated a bit more for those two weeks or something but yeah knowing what I know now um, I wouldn't have changed too much. You mentioned earlier that you were doing a bit of riding with your family do any of your family still ride? Yeah my brother um, still races so he races local cyclocross and up until recently raced um, just local and he did national level mountain biking as well so yeah he he races but um, we didn't really come from a cycling family knowing what I know now is actually quite rare to to get to kind of a high level in the sport majority of people like their parents raced and or (laughs) someone raced in their family and brought them through kind of thing but um, my dad was, came from uh, motorbike racing, so he was a national champion in motorbike racing. And wow. what was rather strange was, yeah, I kind of got to, like as a 12-year-old, I really wanted to race motorbikes like he did. Um, and they kind of like steered me away from it because it was was so expensive at the time. But since then, they've they, they've said that it would have been probably cheaper to go down that route because <laughs> it's been so expensive now. Yeah. Um, so so yeah um we didn't really come from a cycling family but my brother got into it um but 
unfortunately he suffered from uh, me when he was like 14 and he suffered for like six years with that so he never never was able to like race to a top top level but i think he got to uh, expert level in mountain biking and he gets top tens at a local cross so he's happy he's got a, yeah. a young family so uh, yeah. yeah it's good to good to ride with him so um, can you tell the listeners something that they might not know about you? Um, something they might not know about me. Oh, I don't know. That's a, that's a really hard one. Mm-hmm. Um, I played football for my district at quite a high level um, when I was under 14. So, so that's probably something that people don't know. Um, yeah, the thing, my, my dad being a motorbike national champion, not many people know about that. Um, I can't swim. That's, that's a good one that people often laugh at. And I can't ice skate for toffee. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, any, any water-based sports aren't, aren't good for me, whether those frozen or liquid. <laughs> my parents always tell me that training is like really important, but they also say that eat drinking and sleep is just as important what do you think about that yeah there's the famous saying that you can't out train a bad diet so uh yeah i think a lot of people see if they ride their bike a lot they just can eat what they want because they've burnt a load of calories but um ultimately if you think of your body you need to put the correct fuel in it to get the good performance out of it so if you put rubbish into it you're going to get rubbish out of it in terms of performance um, and sleep. Oh my God. Um, that is so important. Um, I'm really bad for sleeping a lot. Um, I sleep kind of 10 to 12 hours every night um, without fail. I wish I could um, sleep that much. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> I know I'm pretty lucky in those terms, but um, like I, I think sleep is massively underrated and, I think you really can track how you feel compared to how much sleep you got. Like I, I can really tell when I have a bad night's sleep and you just feel lethargic kind of all day really. And it, it makes it so much harder to get out on the bike when you're just feeling tired and, and run down from a bad night's sleep. So yeah. yeah, just trying to get into a good routine before bed and yeah, having a quiet environment that yeah, you feel relaxed in to get to sleep fairly quickly is, is good rather than, yeah. I know a lot of people are on their phones and, and what have you just before they try and get to sleep. And there's quite a bit of research to say that that that's bad, but um, yeah, just get into a good routine and mm. yeah, get good quality sleep and, and eat good food is yes. Yeah, the little things that add up um, alongside the hard work on the bike that that's yeah. going to make. A difference. Yeah. Cause I see on all the social media that the elite cyclists are having these really like healthy meals and they obviously focus on that a lot as well as their training yeah for sure for sure I think um yeah social media has been like something we didn't have when I was kind of 14 15 social media didn't exist so um I think it's great for young riders now to get like a little snapshot of kind of into the pros lives like Mm. they can take their phones out mid-ride and give you a little update of what they're doing and what they're eating what they're drinking and and it is really good um i think the only thing we need to be careful of is they need to be putting up when they're relaxing when they're maybe eating an ice cream or maybe they're eating a burger and chips and and to give that balance because for Mm. sure you need that balance you can't be 
goody two shoes all the time. Um, you need to need to relax and have some fun sometimes. So I think social media should show that as well. Um, but yeah, a little bit of chocolate here and there's, there's all good. Um, yeah. But yeah, we can't live on it. No. So who would you say your favourite current cyclist is? Um, I, I think it's a bit boring, but I think it has to be Matthew Vanderpoel. Um, just the way he he wins across all the disciplines is just amazing and never been done before in kind of the male um, sector of the sport. I know Ferran Pravo and uh, Yolanda Neff and other riders have done it in the women's category, which which is amazing and that kind of blazed the trail, I think, a little bit for for Vanderpol to to do the same in the men's. Um, so yeah, it's. It's got to be him at the moment. Um, he's kind of, yeah, just pushing the limits of the sport right now, which is pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> Who do you think your all-time cyclist is, like when you were growing up or just, like they might not race anymore? I think probably growing up, I would. it's a bit of a tricky era because unfortunately the era I grew up with was kind of the Armstrong on the road era and... Mm -hmm. Yeah, that era wasn't the greatest for our sport. So um, a lot of the riders are kind of tainted with with bad memories now. Um, but I think on the mountain bike scene, then I, I grew up watching like Julian Absalon at, at his absolute best. Um, Thomas Frischnicht was, was amazing. Um, and I think on the cross scene, I grew up kind of watching Sven Nys as his, at his best and Bart Velens was really really good when I was kind of a junior um, and I looked up to those guys so probably probably some of those names rather than yeah I kind of can't really say anyone on the road anymore <laughs> unfortunately yeah so um when you're about to do a race so you have like five minutes before a race what song do you listen to to get yourself ready um I saw this question and I thought I won't say anything because uh yeah, people might find it interesting, but I never listen to music before a race. Oh. Um, and I know uh, Jordan always comments because I never listen to anything while I'm training, even on the turbo. For some reason, I just I just like being in my own quiet. I'm quite quite a quiet person anyway, and so yeah. Um, anyone that knows me will tell you like before a race I just go quiet I don't talk I don't I just sit there and get on with it um, which can be frustrating for other people because I know a lot of people like would talk like like what they're thinking about or how they're feeling but I just kind of shut down and go into my own little world yeah. um, and I just kind of five minutes before the race I'm just kind of trying to block out any any like bad energy bad nerves and just try and like think positively about like the race ahead um think about kind of what i'm going to do in the race how i'm going to execute things kind of visualize going through the race going through the through the course um how i'm going to do different sections mm. so yeah quite quite methodical um but yeah i don't i don't really listen to music uh, while training unfortunately before the start line i'm super nervous but then when yeah. when the that the whistle blows or I start, I, I kind of, I forget about all the nerves and it's just about the race. I, I just wish I didn't get myself so nervous beforehand. <laughs> I used to like, before every single race, I used to throw up. <laughs> I used to get so nervous. Um, and still now for like the really big races, I get really, really nervous and really struggle to eat. 
um, breakfast, like, and any food before the race. So it's a real struggle. Um, and yeah, all, all I ever think about before the race is I want it to be over. It's a bit of a weird one, but I know it's quite a common feeling that people just want it to be over um, before it's even begun. But I know what you mean. As soon as the whistle goes or the gun goes, like kind of your body just takes over because it knows what yeah. it's doing then. it's The nerves are from the unknown. And, and once the race is happening, kind of we know what we're doing. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's perfectly normal to feel like that. Yeah. So where do you see yourself in five years time? um i'll nearly be a vet <laughs> so i will definitely not be racing uh internationally uh possibly not even nationally at that age um i think um more and more time and energy will go into into the coaching and hopefully i'll still be going to all the national events more more of a coaching role um and making sure clients and athletes that i'm looking after are doing well at those events and giving a helping hand where i can um five years time maybe um looking towards maybe kind of the national team and trying to help out um the the national squad maybe um i know i've done the past few as a rider but kind of tried to help out um with the younger riders along the way by bringing my experience to them uh while while i'm there anyway so yeah i reckon kind of just helping out younger riders really um and and yeah kind of taking veld forward with me yeah do you think you'd ever do masters um i get asked this quite a bit um i'm i'm not sure right now um i think possibly like if i still have that competitive kind of itch that i want to scratch then then you might find me lining up on on a masters but right here right now i, I can't see it um <laughs> i've done it for so long now um and with it being my job it was so intense for kind of those 15 years that i think uh when the time comes to be a master then yeah maybe i'll put my time and energy into into the younger faster guys <laughs> so what do you think you've learned about yourself in lockdown I've probably learned that I'm okay not seeing too many people. <laughs> um, yeah, as I said, I'm quite a quiet person anyway. Um, keep myself to myself. So it hasn't been, yeah, I say it hasn't been too bad really. Like I've missed seeing my family when, when we're on strict lockdown, obviously not seeing anyone um, and having to do everything via kind of the laptop and Zoom and what have you. So yeah, maybe in actual fact, I was okay without it, but it was surprising maybe how, how much I missed people and missed kind of the social interaction of face-to-face -face kind of conversations. Yeah. Um, I really, really missed kind of being able to do like activities with people um, and everything being shut. So yeah, not being able to do that many things kind of for fun. Um, yeah. was something I probably learned about myself. I didn't, I, I'd have probably said before lockdown that I didn't really, didn't really enjoy kind of, yeah, big social events, but in actual fact, yeah, I've kind of, kind of missed seeing all my friends in one place, mm -hmm. like, like having to see them all individually kind of thing is a bit weird. So yeah, maybe I've learned that. I've learned that uh, I can waste a lot of time in the day. <laughs> um, but no, I think, uh, I think I just said I'm quite a patient person. 
but even like lockdowns tested my patience. So <laughs> I can only imagine what it's been like for someone who, uh, someone who's impatient and very, very sociable. Um, so yeah, that's probably what I've learned the most. I think I've probably been driving my parents up the wall because I've been talking so much. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's got to. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for coming on today. It's been really no great. Yeah, and thank you to all the listeners. They can check out our Instagram at cycling.talk.podcast and they can also find us on Spotify and YouTube. And we'll see you in the next episode. After I finished the interview, me and my mum wanted to ask Ian some extra questions and he touched on some really important topics. So we've kept the answers in for you guys as a little bonus feature. Hope you enjoy. You know, like when you're racing and people are at the side, like shouting at you. Do you hear that? Does it affect you, or do you just like not I, even I notice? Ne- I never notice it when I'm racing. I don't even. Um, it's really weird. Like some people I hear like every single time, and you. some people just I'm oblivious to it. Like never hear them. Like some people can say, "Oh, did you hear me shout that?" And I'm like, "No." It's, <laughs> yeah, it's really I, strange. It's almost like you're in tune with some people's voices and and yeah. something. Yeah, like I never hear Jordan shout. Never. I feel like a too higher octave or something but definitely some people like I hear like really clearly and then some people just like don't hear at all but do you find it makes any difference like if you hear people like cheering you on or you know yeah definitely definitely I think um it's almost like kind of feel a bit of responsibility like oh they've bothered to shout for me like I better carry on yeah. <laughs> definitely as a kid you used to go past your parents and like do a little sprint <laughs> I think my first ever coach always used to say it's the riders kind of bubbling under uh, under 14 under 16 junior level that really always go on to make it it's never kind of the real standout under 14s and under 16s that really normally make it I think some of them they're really good but then they just kind of drop off yeah I think a lot of the people that dominate as a kid can really struggle when they get beat for the first time almost um so it's it's good to get beat when you're younger you can get yeah. used to it because cycling unfortunately is one of those sports that in percentage terms you you don't actually win many many competitions so. um do you think you need to have because a lot of people have the massive camper vans and all the all the pit crew and all of the yeah. you know everything do you think you need all of that um not at national level <laughs> um i think at international level that it begins to make a difference just having that like warm place to get changed in comfort and yeah. and the team around you to look after you like so when i was um doing all the world cups and all the international stuff i'd always had a camper and a mechanic with me all the time and I think at that level, like not having to even pump up your own tires and stuff like that, it begins to make a difference. But I think at national level, then no, I think you can you can get by with a car or a van and and, and, a, and a pair of hands to help you when you need it. But um, yeah, I wouldn't worry too much, um, especially at younger age. Like parents do a great job. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah, when I was doing all the World Cups and stuff, I think I had like eight to ten pairs of spare wheels. Wow, that's Um, crazy. But it's the kind of thing that at that level you need like all the different treads because if you're on the wrong tread, like it's hard enough trying to beat the Belgians as it is. And then if you're not on the same equipment as them, then you're you're just putting yourself as a disadvantage. So, but as I said in the interview, like I didn't have tubs until under 23. So 
um, I wouldn't worry too much um, until you're kind of trying to compete at that, that very highest level. Thank you for listening. See you on the bike.